Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. Friedrich Nietzsche was a German philosopher who first became well-versed in philology or the study of language in oral and written historical sources at the young age of 24. Although he lived a rather short life, dying at the age of 55 in 1900, Nietzsche's work had a profound influence on modern intellectual history. His writings spanned from philosophical polemics, poetry, cultural criticism, and fiction and were nothing short of his irony or aphorisms. Nietzsche is also well known for his exploration of nihilism, the belief that all values are baseless and that nothing can be known or communicated. It is often associated with extreme pessimism and a radical skepticism condemning our existence. Nietzsche argued that nihilism's corrosive effects would eventually destroy all moral, religious, and metaphysical convictions and lead to the greatest crises in human history. Although a radical skeptic himself, he did believe, however, that we could eventually work through nihilism. It has been over a century now since Nietzsche explored nihilism and its implications for human civilization. Many argue that his prediction of nihilism's impact on our culture and values of the 20th century has been pervasive, causing a good deal of doom and gloom with an overall increase in anxiety, terror, anger, and fear. Others have explored Nietzsche's compelling nihilistic theories further by studying several cultures to confirm patterns of nihilism were indeed a conspicuous feature of collapsing civilizations. Some have postulated that Western civilization is already in the advanced stages of decay, with all different forms of nihilism present. Albert Camus, French philosopher, like other existentialists, was convinced nihilism was the most vexing problem of the 20th century. Camus argued that individuals could endure its corrosive effects and therefore built convincing cases in his own literary works. In The Stranger, written in 1942, for example, Camus writes that life alone is reason enough for living. The Plague of 1947 shows the futility of doing one's best in an absurd world. And in The Fall, written in 1956, Camus suggests that everyone has bloody hands because we are all responsible for making a sorry state worse by our inane action and inaction alike. Although Nietzsche himself has been labeled a nihilist, he actually was quite the opposite. A large portion of his work focused on the question of what meaning our lives have for us. In fact, his words published in 1889 are still widely used today. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Nietzsche proposed various ways we can overcome nihilism. He also believed nihilism began with the death of God, for it was the increasingly secular and scientific society which left nothing to turn to, to find meaning. In ages past, Nietzsche pointed out the meaning of everything was assured by God. Nietzsche offered up three solutions to help people to find meaning in a post-God society. He first offered up art, music, theater, literature, and philosophy to be used as tools for living and to also help edify ourselves. He put the most emphasis on his solution of the ubermensch, or the superman, to help humans find meaning in life. In his work, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, a book for all and none, Nietzsche's character, Zarathustra, is tasked to speculate about what the superman the more advanced person of tomorrow, will be like. These supermen, according to Nietzsche, will make their own values, be independently minded, won't care what other people think nor follow. Instead, they will carve their own path, never be resentful of the success of others, and also their greatness would be defined in their interest in the salvation of humankind through culture. Essentially, the word superman is a metaphor for who we would like to evolve into, the super version of ourselves. If you cannot relate to the ubermensch, Nietzsche recommends amor fati, the love of fate, loving your life no matter what it has in it to find meaning. Everything that has happened to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, 
were necessary in building who you are today. So just embrace it, all of it. While Nietzsche was known to be quite an unhappy person, his ideas were never intended to make you happy. As with any philosopher, they were meant to make you think, think for yourself, and to help you find meaning in your life. To many, including myself, finding meaning in our lives is the greatest mastery and the biggest success we can achieve, and with it comes true, unabridged happiness. And the more each and every one of us finds meaning or reaches our infinite potential, the greater the chance we have of overcoming nihilism once and for all. Today on Love from the Hip, I am thrilled to have Sherry Fernandes on my show. Sherry is an author, teacher, mentor, and speaker. Sherry believes moving toward your infinite potential is the key to happiness. She will share wisdom from her USA Today and Wall Street Journal's best-selling book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential, offering up her own wisdom on the why, what, and how to achieve life mastery with all of you. So stick around for this insightful show. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more, sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K- URASkinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. It is my great pleasure to have Sherry Fernandes on my show today. Sherry is an author, teacher, mentor, and speaker. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Sakura. It's nice to be here. I, I feel like we're already close friends. We've talked so much. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. So I'd love for you to tell my listeners more about your name, because this is also a name that's in my family. And I actually was understood that it was Fernandez. But please, yeah, give us yeah. give us more information. Well, I, on I think the Spanish version is Fernandez. And of course, yeah. that's what's populated uh, South America and even Brazil, even though it's Portuguese. But my husband's family's from Portugal from the Azores Islands, actually, which is uh, part of Portugal. So they they pronounce it Fernandes. We visited Portugal, verified that in Portugal. <laughs> they say Fernandes. And so we've tried to hold on to that. We had a lot of kids. And so through the schools and stuff, everybody in our part of town just started saying Fernandes, even when people's name were Fernandes. <laughs> <laughs> they were all over the place. Yeah, and, that's great. And, and that's yeah, great so to hold on to that. It is. We've tried to hold on to the culture because it's, it's new, unique. 
But what there, of course, the vast majority of people will say Fernandez if it's if it's a, a Hispanic background. But right. Portugal is Fernandez. You ever go to Portugal? Awesome. <laughs> so, so Sherry, what was the motivation behind writing your book, Life Mastery: Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential? You know, I had been asked a long time ago I wanted to write a, a collection of quotes. I gave that up. It sounded too hard. I, I didn't really want to write anything and never had. And I'd be asked frequently when I'd speak somewhere, they'd say, oh, somebody would say, you should write a book. And I did a workshop in 2020. And there was a couple there that I really respect. And they said, again, Sherry, really, you should write a book. And they're both educators and, and well-known in our community. And I, I thought, well, that's, you know, pretty, uh, made me feel confident. I told Ken about the comment and he said, I still wasn't going to do it. <laughs> Ken said, you know, it's time that you do really write this book. And, and coincidentally, I'd also been thinking, I have a lot of, I've been working on this. I've been training and teaching these principles for decades. And it was kind of bothering me. I'm not getting any younger. I'm 66. And I thought, I'm going to die with all this information in my head. So that had been playing in the back of my mind. I thought, why do I have all this stuff? And I can only meet, talk to so many people, right? Especially right. during COVID. I, I still was coaching, mentoring, we call it. And I've seen clients just at the same rate I always did. But other than that, I wasn't doing much with it. So I guess it just all came together. And over all of that, I would say that I really did feel inspired. Like I really did feel like this was something that I should do and that I could do uh, with a little help. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So would you say that you've reached your infinite potential? No, I don't think anybody ever reaches it in this life, you know. It's, um, but it's good thing because if we reached it, then we do what we do with ourselves. It would be boring because it's really the journey that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. You know how many goals you set and then you, it, and you, you get there and you're like, oh, this is nice. But that was the journey that was exciting. And so we wouldn't really want to arrive in this life. I think that we would miss, we'd miss the journey, the right. journey. Part. The lessons. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm not reaching my infinite potential though. <laughs> I think I do have mastery in all those eight areas though. And I wouldn't have written the book if I didn't. I feel strongly that people, there's too many people out there teaching and coaching and mentoring things that they don't have not experienced successfully mm-hmm. themselves. And I feel like that's a bit of a problem. We have the old masters like Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Earl Nightingale and Brian Tracy. All these people found success before they started teaching it. Mm-hmm. Now we have everybody just thinks they're going to pop in there and tell other people how to live without having actually practiced those guys all were successful long before they start teaching yeah right? exactly and, and now people just yeah they read a book or they take a weekend course and they're like they're often or they don't even do that and they're they're coaching other people i think that's a problem mm-hmm. and so you share a lot about your upbringing in the book and i was hoping that you could share that a little bit with my listeners today was there i mean was that what you believe led to the work that you're doing today ultimately in an odd way, probably a different way than you're thinking, but it did in a sense. And I, I think when I was seven, my mom had four little girls and she decided to leave my dad and she was not equipped for that. And it was in the early 60s. So divorce was just not done. And my mother had no real capacity to earn or really care that much for us. She just she wasn't she was a good mom as far as it went, but it just um well, I was neglected. <laughs> I, I know I was really terribly neglected, but um, and then she married a somebody else who was not good to us but I just wandered around that little town so I'm eight and nine years old and I'm just wandering all over this town that we lived in and I'd go to the movies and I'd go to the store and I just find things to do and in that while I was doing that I would just think a lot and somewhere maybe it was those movies I'm not sure but I remember thinking through this and thinking I'm somebody special I've got great things in store for me mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know what great things meant I didn't think to define it I just knew that I had some great potential that um, I was somebody unique and special and God had a purpose for me. I didn't even know what God was. I didn't know how he came to that concept, um, but I did. And I uh, I know I just thought it was somebody special. And that stayed with me, carried me through that rough spot and came back to me again later when I was ready to, you know, I got through my party stage and decided I wanted to take my life on a different course. All those feelings came back. To, I don't think they ever really left me, mm-hmm. but they came back to me strongly and said, I really am destined for some great things. And I need, and this, I don't think I'm unique. I'm uniquely destined for great things. My things might be unique, but all of us are that. I think I just somehow tapped into that. Early uh, on. That, yeah, early on yeah. because I was alone so much and I had all that time 
to thinking what things happened that weren't good that shouldn't happen to a little girl in that time period. But somehow this idea of my being somebody special and great, it didn't, it did it, it didn't get in my way, if that makes sense. And yeah. I didn't claim any special process for that. It just didn't. Was there ever a time that you just wanted to give up? Uh <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not as a child. As a child, I just was this. I must have just been some Pollyanna, somebody. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not as a child. I, I mean, I just I knew it was all going to work out. I just was sure. And uh, my parents actually divorced the people they remarried and married each other again, which gave us enough stability to get through my teen years. Otherwise, it could have been a train wreck. But uh, I just, yeah, but during the early years, Ken and I got married, and I'd already had a child a couple of years before. And uh, so we love, we love our little girl, and we love our next little girl that came, and, and we eventually had six children. But we had two or three at this point and it was so desperate money was so we were so tight we just we worked day and night and I took in kids and Ken would work two jobs and we we were thinking everything we could we scrimped and we saved him all we could do is maybe sort of pay the utilities Ken Mm -hmm. would juggle one bill off of another one and there were some times when I thought and I think I put this in the book and this is so true I thought what will happen to people like us? What if we don't make it? You know, mm. what would happen to our family? Um, we made it. <laughs> but there were some moments of, yeah. of real concern, like we cannot keep going on this way. So but we were working on the principles and we were moving forward. It just didn't feel like it. That's what I was going to ask you is what kept you guys going? Um, I think, well, <laughs> if you're if you're committed to your family, which mm. we were and, we, and, and deeply in love with each other and our children and our way of life. And we, most of the time we were having fun in the process or we felt like we were building something. So that our commitment to each other and then knowing that we, and that belief still, my husband had the same sort of belief in himself, which I didn't even know until after we got married, but he also felt like he wanted to do something special. And we just, we just hung in there loving each other, believing that in our purpose and that the work we were doing would get us the, the things we were learning and practicing would get us there. And it did. Yeah. And we were, we went from that poverty and I, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, we were broke when we were first married. No, <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. Like, like food on the table, bad, but um, and we had a lot of miracles that held us through, but about, we, our goal was to be worth a million dollars when we hit 40. So 15 years ish later, we were worth a million dollars mm. and we built from there. That's been a long time ago. Uh, we built up from there. But our marriage was really solid. We had great relationships. We had a deep spiritual life that continued. We, we picked that up too about that time when, you know, we wanted that part of our life. So that was uh, really important to us. And fitness, I decided I wanted to be, I want to have a rock and hot body all my life and still have all these kids. <laughs> I said that, I think that's possible. And I did, and I do. And uh, <laughs> I do say so myself. She does, everyone. Um, <laughs> one of my hosts said, I did some research on you. You still rock a bikini. I said, yeah, I can still rock a bikini. I didn't start wearing them until I was 60 because I had those kids. I Amazing. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted it all. And we really did find success. And I didn't want just the money. Right. A lot of people just go after the financial success. But my, I wanted the best marriage possible. And I wanted to be have the best family that we could be. And I wanted to have the education that I'd missed not formal so much, but I wanted, I, I would have been a debater in high school and I was smart and I wanted to work my brain and I was able to find ways to educate myself. All the eight areas I talk about, and I I, I, I emphasize that because I, I want the listeners to know and the people who read my book know, and you will if you read it, um, that I have found mastery in all those eight areas and success in everything that I talk about. If I didn't find, if I didn't find something to be useful and successful, I didn't write about it. <laughs> And I'm going to get into those eight categories a little bit later here. But would you say that that's what makes your life mastery technique different than other personal development programs out there is your life experience and that you've I think that's it. the major thing that that I lived it and that it's that I didn't read a book or do a study. I didn't have to hire a researcher. You know, I knew the principles. I'd learned them as I went along. I practiced them the best I could. The other thing that makes uh, life mastery unique is one thing that frustrated me, frustrated me is I was learning success principles and I would read the books and I'd listen to the seminars and I'd, I'd, I'd listen to the, the, the audio programs, everything I get my hands on, but hardly anybody said anything about how, 
like I'd be like all done with a, a seminar or whatever it was. And I think, oh, I'm so excited about that. I wish they would just tell me how to start. Hmm. And so I do give a starting point, which I think is unique. I think even those great masters of old were not, had not thought it through carefully enough to give their listeners a way to start. Yeah. And integrating it too, right? And integrating it, right. Because yeah. you got to have, it's really like one of my favorite topics to speak on when I'm asked to speak, if they'll let me choose my own topic, it's usually this one, why systems are better than goals. Hmm. If you have a good system, then, because everybody's got goals and dreams and whatever, and it's the lack of systems that make, that cause people to fail. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. You need a system. And that's what I offer. They're not complicated. They're simple. They're practically childlike, but they work. Yeah. And, and this was a reference okay. too that you had made with dieting. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. About systems. When we talked about systems. Yeah. Like a diet. Is that what you're referring yeah. to? Like a diet mm-hmm. is a bad system. Don't do it. <laughs> Diets <laughs> are bad systems because they, they set you up for failure in the long run. Um, so, but you do need a system, but just not like a diet system. You need a way to track. Uh, you need a good program and you need to show somebody to, to if you don't know yourself, how to show you how to make it a lifestyle. Right. So there's good, there are bad systems out there, but if a good system, you just, if you plug in that system, it's just going to happen. You're going to eat like this and you're going to do it every day, the rest of your life. And it's not painful. You get to eat a lot, (laughs) uh, but you just do it consistently over time. And once you plug that in and you just do this day by day, you'll, you'll reach the, your ideal weight. You'll be lean. And then you work out a certain way and you do that every day and you're committed to do it the same way out forever, but you're doing that continually refreshing your, your, your knowledge and your techniques as you go. Mm-hmm. It, it's a done deal. You put it into your system. You don't have to think about it anymore. Right. It's not a 12 week program. It's a lifelong program. You revise, renew each month, hopefully. And then you keep going on and you just figure I'm going to do this all my life and uh, yeah. integrate those habits. But it's the habits. The problem there is no systems available to most people don't know a system to get the habits and it's the habits that make you successful. I guess that's a roundabout way of saying that. That's the short, yeah. that's the short version. Would you say successful? And so with that, what it, what do you believe is the biggest reason people don't end up reaching their goals? Is it because they're that, yeah, that's it. That, I think that's totally well. There can be a lack of commitment. I've seen people uh, when, when I owned the uh, fitness business, we had people who would just rock it and they looked great and they loved the program. That was great. I can finally eat as much as I want, still lose weight, and, and they were and they were strong and they were fit, and they let life happen and they slipped. Their habits slipped. But um, if you keep the habits daily, most of them didn't. And if you keep the habits daily, you'll get where you want to go. And so, yes, yeah, the system. Okay. And what, what is your formula for happiness? I was hoping you could share that. Yeah, that's, um, I, I, I don't want to really claim it. I don't think I made it up. <laughs> but it's uh, contentment plus progress equals happiness. Sometimes people say, well, with all this progress, shouldn't you just like who you are? Well, you should like who you are, or you're not going to progress. Uh, you need to be content with who you are. Think that you're worth worth progressing. Right. But if you also don't want to be a person who stays there, uh, you want to also be a person that's moving forward. I'm I'm happy where I'm at. I'm content with what I've got. But I'm going to get more. Okay. Like that. That's great. Well, and when we come back from our break, I'm going to ask you, how do we get started? So, <laughs> with that, we're going to take a break. But everyone, stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next. On this weekly skinny, I would like to discuss angular chelitis or angular stomatitis or perlush. Angular chelitis is a common skin condition affecting the corners of your mouth where your lips meet and make an angle. People often mistake it for cold sores, but unlike cold sores, it is not contagious. Angular chelitis is a type of dermatitis and can appear red, cracked, irritated, and swollen. While it can arise at the corners of your mouth, it can also affect the upper and bottom lips and outlying areas. People who are more susceptible to angular chelitis include those who are more apt to suffer from atopic dermatitis and eczema on medication, especially antibiotics, oral steroids, and steroidal inhalers, as well as elderly people. Mask wearing and dentures also lead to angular chelitis, Also, people who suffer from chronic digestive disorders and have issues with proper nutritional absorption can also be more prone to developing angular chelitis. Lip products can contribute to angular chelitis as well. Many lip balms contain irritating ingredients and an allergic reaction to a lip balm can cause angular chelitis. 
Another possible cause is the use of topical acne products, including those that contain benzoyl peroxide as well as tretinoin. These topicals can cause pretty severe irritation around the mouth, which is why it is recommended to not place them so close to the mouth or to use a barrier product in addition to these. The most common cause for angular chelitis is saliva. Saliva can act as an irritant on the skin. For instance, those who lick their lips often, not only does the licking pull water off the skin, but it also leaves irritants on the skin. Spicy foods can also contribute to angular chelitis as well as chewing gum, especially cinnamon flavor, which allows more saliva to pool at the corners of your mouth. Angular chelitis is often treated with a petrolatum ointment or a combination of a topical antifungal and a topical steroid. Most doctors will test for yeast or bacteria to help choose the right antibacterial or antifungal treatment. A topical steroid may also be recommended. Sometimes just the shape of someone's face may make them more prone to angular chelitis, which in that case, a doctor may recommend injectable fillers. Or for someone who has deep marionette wrinkles, which makes them also more susceptible to dealing with angular chelitis, Botox may be the remedy. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having Sherry Fernance on my show. Sherry is an author, teacher, mentor, and speaker. And so before the break, Sherry, you were sharing some golden nuggets from your book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential. And I was hoping you had touched on earlier about the eight areas in life mastery. So what are those eight areas? Uh, Just a bit of background. So I've been mentoring with people for a very long time. And I've had a fitness business. I'm very successful, uh, uh, professional uh, fitness. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to call this? (laughs) That was a weird thing to say. Anyway, I could coach you in physical fitness or in business or in finances. I won't take clients that won't work in all eight areas because if you put too much in, if you don't, not balance, but if you're not aware of all eight of these areas, uh, it could cost you too much, right? Mm -hmm. If I I put all my energy into making my business dreams come true, uh, I might lose my integrity or my relationships or my health. Uh, I might neglect the rest of my education. I might be too one, uh, lopsided in what I know. So I only will work with people if they're willing to look at all eight areas and set goals. Um, and the weak spots, more effort, uh, but still you know, be aware of and be working on mastering all eight areas. So those eight areas are, I always start with physical. Uh, we have found over and over again, I find this to be true, that almost everybody does best if they start with getting a handle on their physical self. Mm. And I think that's a couple of reasons for that. And one is that um, that's the thing that will feel most out of control. If it's out of control, it's the one that's going to get in the way the most. I think that's one reason. Another reason is that this body is the instrument through which we learn and love and work. And so we need our instrument fine-tuned. And also the disciplines learned and the, the knowledge of self learned in the physical journey will help all the other areas. Mm-hmm. It's easier to measure. It's easier to, ex- to see what discipline does. Not that we're going to get completely fit before we start anything else, but we want to get that ball rolling first. And then we could get, it's easier almost to get the other things. I had so many clients when I was um, had fit mania, my fitness business. Uh, we did have two sides of it. We had the fit life, fit mania, the fitness, and then fit life was um, some of the other areas of life, but they were ready. That's the reason we did that is because they would start getting fit and say, okay, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. So physical is a really good place to start. I didn't used to start with that. I used to start with spiritual, but now I understand that better. And then spiritual. I I like what Ryan Holiday said. I might've mentioned this to you before. I know I said it recently to someone, but he said, we're, um, if our bodies all of a sudden went numb, 
we would rush to the doctor and be cons- terribly concerned, right? But a lot of us are walking around spiritually numb and we're not even concerned. Hmm. And that spiritual life is easy to neglect, but it's such a rich, uh, meaningful part of life. And we don't want to neglect it. And so the next is spiritual. Everybody starts where they start. You know, I don't, I don't outline a spiritual pattern. I just give ideas of where you might start or might take the next step toward. And uh, that's everybody. I think everybody has their own journey that way. I do think we all can end up at the same place eventually, right. but we'll all find our own road to get there. And uh, it's just a question of moving forward spiritually and not neglecting that part. It might be as simple as meditation, or it might be as deep as, um, or it might be as organized as going to church, or it might be as serving, it might be a more aware of nature. There's all kinds of ways you can grow spiritually. And then relationships, of course, relationships. Uh, the reason we want to live forever is because we have somebody to love and who loves us, mm. right? And that's why we want to live tomorrow. And so those relationships give us a lot of meaning. And then uh, education. Education is not a degree. It's an ongoing thing in our lives. I love what Jim Rohn said. He said, if you make a, a formal education, will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also satisfying, you know, and we need to be educated and not by the news, please, because that's not good education, but educated by thinking minds and and part of education is thinking too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then money, of course, is an important part of life. We take care of our money, our finances, then we take care of other people. The more money we make, the more we can take care of other people. So that's important and more enrichment we can give our own life. And then vocation. Vocation is what you do to contribute. You talk about uh, as it being a statistician and a hip. Uh, hypnotist and you're obviously a podcaster uh, that's your vocation uh, my vocation is doing this right now I, I don't work I, I mean not work like in a job because I would never do that because I just think that sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my vocation is to do podcasts and to promote my book and I do mentoring and I do it as many hours as I choose which is about a four-hour work <laughs> work day because that's that's what I picked and I'm 66 and I get to choose um <laughs> And then lifestyle, and that's because we want to make sure that we're enjoying what we're doing. We're enjoying the process and we're creating a lifestyle we enjoy. We take time to stop and smell the roses, to go to a play, to, to play on the floor with children, whatever makes your lifestyle, to have a home that we love, uh, that feels comfortable, those kind of things. And then character. And character, we want to keep a, be aware of our character all the time, not only to make sure we don't sell out while we're busy working on one other thing. It's so easy when you want something passionately to maybe not be always truthful or to cut a corner when you want something passionate, but being aware of our character and working on that keeps us from doing that as well as becoming more of a person. Mm. Uh, we're really trying to become something. It's not, we're not rich and not a, a professional in this area or not educated. We're a whole being. We're trying to become a whole being and without character, we lose the whole thing. Mm. So the character is the, the uh, eighth area. Now, are people ever aware that when you tell them that they're neglecting a certain area, are they shocked by it? Uh, you know, I don't tell them they're neglecting a certain area <laughs> <laughs> because this is their life and their journey. But what I do have, I have a, and this is available on the website, uh, lifemasteryinfo.com. There's, a, and in the book, there is an assessment, which I'm very proud of. I think it's very, I, I think it's really well done. I worked really hard for a long time on this. Um, there's an assessment. It's not as complicated one. It's 10 questions in all eight areas. But it's enough to give you an idea of how you're doing. Then you plot it on a wheel. And that, when somebody's weak in an area, that makes like a flat place, right? Like a flat tire. And that's such a good visual. And so then I don't have to, they do the assessment. And I'll be like, what do you think about this area? <laughs> and they'll laugh and say, yeah, I, I got to work on that one, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't tell them. I let them discover that themselves. But I do have the tool to do that. Yeah, that's really great. So uh, how, so you're saying that we should start with the physical because, I mean, this is all so overwhelming, right? And trying yeah. to reach our infinite. I think it's a good place to start. Uh, some people might start differently. It's just a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And they can see the results. And you can see the results. That's, I didn't say that, but yeah. that's really smart. Secure. That's exactly it. You can see the results in, pretty immediately. It's hard to see you uh, working towards your million dollars, you know, that might be <laughs> 10 years away. Uh, it's so such a slow process. But you can see within a few weeks, the, in a few days, how much better you feel. You right. can see results on your body within a few weeks. So, yeah, that's another good reason. Okay. 
And so you also mentioned six things in your book that are required before anyone can make large strides forward. I was hoping that you could share those. Uh, maybe not so much required, but really help a lot. Like okay. I do a big dreams list and we talked about that earlier. That big dreams list. So when somebody comes in and they're doing, and this is why it's early in the book, if they're, and well, it's part of your why anyway, but they, they, uh, they come in and they are want to move their world forward. But they th- sometimes people think they want certain things, but they don't, or they want things they don't realize they want. Uh, sometimes they're sure they want a certain thing. And when we, we work a little bit more, we find out they don't want that. And one of the bigger problems I have is having people dream big. They'll say, well, you know, if I can retire comfortably, well, what is comfortably? <laughs> <laughs> I've got one of my grandsons that he's thinking about $300,000 a month would be about right. <laughs> wow. You go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not going to get it from an inheritance from me, but you go get them. <laughs> so, uh, well, is he dreaming big, right? So what a big dreams list is, it's, a, it's about things we want to do mostly and also be and have. So it's it's more of the trivial, not trivial, they're, they're important things, but they're not the lifelong goal things. They're like, I want to visit uh, the Eiffel Tower, or I want to climb Mount Fuji, or I want to uh, learn to play the guitar, or I want to learn how to speak Spanish, or I'd um, I used to use this as an example a lot. Then my husband bought me one, so I can't do it anymore. But I want to pay cash for a luxury uh, sports car. And so that was one of mine. Hmm. Mostly, did it. mostly I had that one so I could use it as an example. But then my husband bought me one, so I don't have that anymore. But uh, so it's something maybe that we want to have. And it's just a long list. I write, I like my clients to have at least 50. Okay. And every time you mark one off, another one happens. But I learned something about that big dreams list recently. One of my, actually, it's one of my mentors that work with, works with me. She said, you know, I just don't think there's a lot of things I'm really dying to do. My list isn't as long as it should be. I did not know that about her. We'd have talked about it sooner. You don't have to love all these things. Like, I want to go to all the professional sports, like basketball, baseball. I've done all but football. I don't love sports, but it's part, such a part of our culture and it's the experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for the experience. I went to the ballet. I don't think I'm going to be a regular at the ballet. <laughs> But I wouldn't want to miss the experience. I want to see what it's like. So most of these things aren't necessarily things we're going to just love, but the things that we think, you know, that would be valuable to me. And how then there's things we love. How is it different than your bucket list? It's, it's kind of the same, except that we include a bucket list is typically just things to do. Right. I'm going to go travel things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump out of an airplane, that kind of thing. Where this is a little more uh, inclusive into things that we want to be. Uh, and that we want to have as well. So it's very similar, but is there a, a time frame that you should that you recommend that your clients? No, I don't on this off? one. No, I don't on this one. Now, when you're ready to actually maybe make something happen, like I want to get this thing done this year, that's the time to put it. But when we're doing this, is a dream list. You know, you might not do it all. You might change your mind. There's no holds barred. Like you can't say, like, well, I don't think I'll ever have the money to do that thing. No. Um, I like to use John Goddard's list as an example, and he was a great adventurer, made his list when he was 14, and that was back in the early 1900s, but he had put flight, he was going to go to the moon on his list, right? He didn't make it, he lived a little bit longer, he would have made it, but anything goes on the list, because it's big dreams, right? right? And you can take one off, you can do something and say, oh, that would have been a good big dream, and then put it on after you did it. It's just <laughs> a big list of just learning, it's what I love about it, it's practice. It's good practice for thinking big. Hmm. We've been taught about smart goals. You know, smart. They're they're um, time sensitive, specific, measurable, attainable, time sensitive. They're, that makes good action steps, but they make lousy goals because they make them unexciting. They make it very boring. In fact, that's been proven by some studies. Um, I don't want people to think in the terms of smart goals. Hmm. I want people to dream really big. So I like this one first when I'm mentoring, because then when we go to the goals of their life, they are starting to think in bigger terms of things that are possible. Then we go on to envision what their life looks like in 10 years. Now they've got some big thinking going on and they, it's easier for them to visualize. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's one, uh, of course, the concept of, um, of that is the, um, that the progression is how we become happy. It's moving forward to our potential. It makes us happy as opposed to being stuck and unhappy moving forward is what makes us happy. So that concept is in there as one thing. Um, then we have the, the governing values. It's like a life constitution, a mission statement. I suspect you have a mission. <laughs> um, it's a mission statement that we all have to get back and that can help us stay motivated towards our goals because I want to be this, I want my mission uh, to happen. So I've got to make this thing happen. 
because I'm on a mission. I, uh, I'm doing 70 interviews in four months because I'm on a mission. I've got a mission and my mission statement uh, says that I help people learn with, live with passion, with purpose, passion, and faith. Well, I could just stay home, play with my grandkids and go shopping. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier, but I have a mission, right? So that's an important one. So I don't know if that was six, but that was some of the ones that in the why chapter. Did yeah. I miss something that you were thinking of? No, I mean, I wanted just to get a basis of it. So you covered yeah. it. That's our why. And that's just part, you'll have your own whys, but if you don't start with why, not, to, you know, it's a popular book, which is very good, by the way, by Simon Sinek, but starting with why is really important because it keeps you motivated when the work becomes a little mundane, mm-hmm. which it does sometimes. Absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stay tuned for more Love from the Hip. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more. Sakura SakuraSkinAndMind.com S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us, today I have the great pleasure of having Sherry Fernance on my show. Sherry is an author, teacher, mentor, and speaker. So Sherry, with having these big dreams list and these big goals, I would find that one of the, the biggest challenges would, would be feeling worthy of the success. How do you help yeah. people overcome that? That's a, and that's a good question. I told you at the beginning, I already felt like that I was, I, I not only deserved it, but I was just going to happen for me. Um, yes. You know, it, it's uh, we talk a lot about that. And do I feel like worthy? Can I really move forward? The, the there's not, you can look in the mirror and say, you know, gosh, I'm great or whatever it is, but, and I do believe in affirmations. There's a whole thing in, uh, in the house section on affirmations, but, and that'll help. But what we really need to do is uh, do be the person that we would respect, like uh, moving forward, that very thing, like taking those first steps forward, that will help you feel worthy more than anything else to make just look, nobody makes big progress. I think we're all of the mistaken assumption that somebody just jumped way forward financially or whatever it is, but everybody has to do the, the little step at a time work. And when we realize that, and we're just some, we can all take little steps, that will help a lot and start making those steps. I said earlier about being stuck is unhappiness, mm. um, assuming you don't want to be stuck, because uh, some people really do. You know, it's easier to just stay back there, but it's not happy. Assuming you don't want to be stuck and you want to be happy, moving forward, make some little daily goal, some little daily habit. You don't have any start with brushing your teeth or taking a walk or praying or meditating or reading every day just start with some daily habit that's important to you and just track it i've got tracking sheets i talk about those in the third section which are the bomb for creating habit and just do it consistently Mm. and then add another one and then watch what happens these habits 
don't just have a linear effect. Like if I do this long enough, I'm going to get, uh, you know, know so much. I read so long, I'm going to know so much. They have a compound effect. They build on each other and they start to multiply faster and faster right. and faster and take you to where you want to go. So to feel really good about yourself because it, happiness comes from progression, just progress. But you don't have to progress a ton. All you have to do is progress just the, the littlest bit and you'll see happiness uh, return or come. You'll find yourself happier. And when you're not happy, take a look at your life and say, am I moving forward? Oh, probably not. How can I move forward in a little tiny way? Don't try to leap forward in big bounds because it doesn't work for anybody. Nobody gets to do that. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. So, so Sherry, what you had mentioned finite and infinite goals in your book. I was hoping that you could explain the difference between the two. So a finite goal would be like, I want to run a marathon. So I set up my goal. I set my training program. I've got on my tracking sheet. I do these workouts. I follow my training program. How are you going to set that up? And when it's done, it's done. Those are less common in my experience. Uh, what we're, tr- I'm never, I'm, I've told you like, <laughs> I still pretty physically fit. I always have been, and I can still do pushups on my toes. And that's how I do them. And I've got a goal for, I've, I'm working on 30 right now. I want to be, I've done 50 before, but I've let it kind of slide. So I want to be able to do 50 without stopping. Hmm. I'm never going to arrive at the place where I feel completely physically fit in every area and in every way. I'm always going to be working on this physical self. Spiritually, I'm never going to arrive there. My spiritual goals are always going to be increasing. I'm going to want more and more and more. So this vision I have of myself spiritually is, there's always going to be another mountain to climb. That's an infinite goal. I can't even put it in, describe these, right? My relationship with my husband is awesome, but I'm not going to stop here, right? <laughs> and I'm going to have, I'm going to always have a new way to grow, a new way to grow in those. So at the, the infinite goals are the ones we have this grand vision of what we want. And that will improve, that will increase, that will, you'll, that'll still change. You'll climb that mountain, there'll be another one and say, oh, I can still do better. Right. So they're infinite. And it keeps it going. As and it said. keeps it going, yeah. So those are what I would call infinite, big, hairy, audacious goals. I brought that for you. <laughs> big, hairy, audacious goals. Now, is it ever too late to start life mastery? Oh, you know, I had the best experience this last week. My aunt is 80 years old, 81 years old, actually, I think. And um, she's sharp, you know, she's a great lady. And she's moved and she got a divorce and she's moved and everything's um, a little bit different for her now. And she wants to copy my book. <laughs> I got to make some changes. You know, I want to see what I can do. She's looking to reinvent herself. No, uh, it's not. In fact, you know, I'm 66. You think that's pretty close to the end, but I've got some other plans to reinvent myself a couple more times. There's as long as we're living, there's yeah. always something to work on. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And you offer one-on-one services with your clients. How long do most people typically work with you? At least three months, because I won't take them unless I work for three months. But um, what would be an average? I've had some people work with me 15 months. Some will work with me for three or three or four or five months, and then come back a couple of years later and want to go to the next level and do it again. So I don't know if I have a really firm answer on that. Always at least a minimum of three. Some people will just take this on and they're real self-starters. Other people really like to really talk through it more and... Uh, and what's so some of the yeah. what's some oh, of the feedback you get from your life mastery program? Oh, uh, I just I can't I even <laughs> I can't even put it in words. Uh, watching these people change their lives, and I don't tell them what to do, right? I'm just helping them make the things they want to have happen. I'm just sort of there to help point, kind of point it out what they want. It is so amazing that people's whole lives change, and people have done mentoring with me really love me <laughs> because I help them get somewhere. Right. Yeah. And because I really love them too. I don't have, it's easy for me to love and believe in people. And so people who love and believe in you are not that common. Right. Uh, so I think I feel like all my ex clients are friends and uh, be- that we belong very eternally connected, but uh, yeah, my feedback's great. Feedback on my book is fabulous. All the reviews. I said, somebody, a group of us, this group of people, I said, would somebody go on Amazon and give me a four-star review. I mean, it looks suspicious because, uh, <laughs> as in clients and people, you know, and then people read the book. I mean, there's people I don't know that have done reviews, but they're all five stars. It's somebody's got to go do it. Don't, you don't have to write a review. I need one four-star review. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you a four-star. That's for sure. Oh, no, <laughs> Sorry. To to it's too good. <laughs> so Sherry, where do you hope to grow from here? Well, 
I think there's still lots of room for me to grow. Um, you know, I've even refined some of the things that I've been teaching for years. And I wrote the book on it and thinking, doing these interviews have helped me see some things a little the same, but clearer. So I'm still learning in this, this arena. And I think I'd like to take my speaking to a, a larger platforms, uh, more um, national platforms. It's been pretty local that I spoke for the most part. I've spoken a couple other states, but mostly just here. So I'd like to do that. I think there's some good growth for me there. And then this is a weird little thing, but I want a second home, which I've had before, but we do that sort of thing. But I want a I want horses to occur. <laughs> I didn't ever, I, I had horses growing up and yeah. I married this non-horse person and I want a little piece of property where my grandkids can go. Somebody else takes care of the horses. I don't do it, uh, but then we have horses and I can ride and my grandkids can ride. And lovely. So I'm looking at that, but I'm not going to do that till after July because I'm committed to do this every ounce of my energy to promote life mastery. Now, is that on your, I have to ask you, is that on your big dreams list? Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Yes, of course. Oh, I have another one on the book too. I, you know, cause big dreams, right? Yeah. So I'm, yeah. On, I'm, it's on the wall street journal bestsellers. Uh, Congratulations. But like yes. Thank you. I'm really proud of that. And also us, uh, USA today, but I'd like to be on the New York times bestseller. So big, carry audacious goal, but I think there, I can do it. You can do anything. <laughs> no, can do anything. <laughs> so can you tell my listeners how they can look, look you up and learn more about you? Yes. Uh, the, the website is Life Mastery Info. Got to get that info in there because we didn't, Life Mastery wasn't available. LifeMasteryInfo.com. I am Sherry, S H E R R Y, at LifeMasteryInfo.com. I respond to all emails. If I didn't respond to you, I didn't get it. Um, and then, of course, the book is available on Amazon and the audiobook will be available before Christmas. Wonderful. And it's very nicely done. I'm very pleased with the how well it came out I read it so that part's not that great but I have another reader and that reads the quotes and pronounces all the names right (laughs) (laughs) and he's marvelous (laughs) I'm very and there's music and it's been very nicely produced very very pleased with the way it's come out well great well thank you so much again for being here today and sharing your book with us thank you Sakura. it's been a pleasure if I can be of use to you somewhere down the road you let me know you got it And thank you to Eric, our amazing producer, KKNW, KBKW, Zone Radio, and you, the listener. You can find me at SakuraSutter.com. And don't forget to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love from the Hip. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.